This episode is brought to you by the generosity of our listeners. I prayed to receive Christ that day. I didn't grow because there was no one to disciple me. I didn't know what to do. That was Ann White, author, speaker, founder, and executive director of Courage for Life. Put your faith to work. This is the Bold Idea Podcast with ideas, interviews, and inspiration to bring your bold ideas to life. Here are your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Nassadi. Hello, and welcome to another Bold Idea Podcast. This is your co-host, Larry Gates. And Armin Asadi. And we're coming at you with yet another way for you to put your faith to work and bring your bold idea to life with another guest. But before we get to that, Armin, mm-hmm. I want to give a shout out. We haven't done this in a long, long time. <laughs> and we're still, like seriously overdue. But Maze Decker gave us a wonderful five-star review on our show, writing insightful, hey, think <laughs> with many actionable advice and empower encourage people to go after what they want and live their dreams a great show to listen to that's so well written i could have written that like <laughs> you could have written that or i couldn't? don't know i don't know and anyway i don't think there's anything i would want to change i guess is what i'm saying thank you Maze. we really appreciate the fact that you took the time to review our show for those of you who think wow that was pretty cool the thing that Maze did you can you can be amazing like Maze as well oh, oh my uh, goodness <laughs> And go to boldideapodcast.com slash review. Leave us a review. We love for you to do that in part because it feeds our ego and, you know, we're (laughs) we're shallow people, but also because uh, it does actually increase the visibility of the show so more people learn about it. And that's a good thing. Today, we have... Ann White on the program. Ann is an internationally known author, speaker, and a passionate Bible teacher. You're going to hear a little bit about her passion coming through. She is the founder of Courage for Life, a ministry helping people that study God's Word. She's the author of several books, including her most recent, She is Strong and Courageous, a 90-day transformational devotional journey. But she has just recently launched, through her ministry, a women's audio Bible project, the first female-voiced audio Bible, if you can believe it. And uh, that is available today. You're going to learn about that in a bit. But for now, we just want to welcome to the podcast, Ann White. Ann, welcome to our show. Thank you so much, Larry. It's great to be with you today. Well, I'm glad to have you on board. You know, you founded a ministry called Courage for Life, and mm-hmm. I started one called Bold Path. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm wondering if you have the same challenge that I do. Do you ever find that it kind of serves as this constant reminder to you (laughs) to like live courageously or boldly more so than you perhaps are at the moment? All the time. It's a constant reminder that every day, because you know, courage is a choice. So every day when I wake up, it's like, okay, I have to choose courage today because if I'm going to encourage others to do the same thing, then I certainly have to choose it for myself. Yeah. I have a sign on my wall that says live courageously and it's, uh, it's in my office and it's my reminder to live each day courageously and boldly. And I have to say there are many days I look up at that and I go, what am I thinking? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, exactly. But you know, I think the Lord knew that. And that's why even in the Old Testament, the New Testament, God tells us we are to be bold and courageous. We're to to be strong in Him and let Him give us the courage to face life, especially in our culture today and the things that we're up against so many times. Oh, so true. You know, now you and I both have ministries like we were talking about 
courage and boldness and all the rest. I know mine was born out of a personal sense of woundedness, a need to capture some love from an earthly father that I didn't get to the degree that I felt that I wanted. What was mm-hmm. your sense of brokenness uh, or, or was there one that caused you to launch this ministry? You know, Larry, so often we do our ministries are birthed out of uh, suffering or birthed out of pain, which God takes us, or, you know, I should say he allows us to go through difficult things in our lives that only he can minister us through. Mm -hmm. And so it allows us that privilege and opportunity to be drawn closer to him. And of course, that is certainly what happened to me, what happens to a lot of people. And I did, I just dug into the Lord and it really, it's kind of a long story. It's in my book, Courage for life, I just kind of tell a very transparent account of how I really came at 46 years old, I came to a breaking point just in my life as a whole. I came to the point in saying, okay, Lord, I can't handle the things going on in my life right now. Because, you know, we always think that we can take care of this. You know, Lord's going to give us strength, but we, we're going to be able to handle it. Well, God allows us to get to that place where we can't handle it. So yes, my my ministry was certainly born out of pain. And so often when we come out on the other side and the Lord has delivered us through that darkness and through that valley, and we come out on the other side, we want to share it with others. Our heart beats to tell others how they too can come out on the other side in victory. Yeah. Now, you, give us a little bit of background on your life. You've been a Christian for many, many years, right? And you grew mm-hmm. up. You grew up in the faith family. I think, if I remember right, listening to one of your interviews, maybe as a Methodist. Is that right? I did. I grew up, and of course, we would only go to church about once a month. Um, it was, you know, kind of sporadic. I believed in Christ because that's what I knew of as a child. As far I believe He was real, mm-hmm. but I didn't really know Him personally. And it was interesting because I was actually 19 years old. I had taken a leave from college and it didn't end up going back, but I had gone to college and thought, you know, I really want to try the sales position that was uh, available. And so I went into the sales position was with a partner who was about 20 years older than me that was kind of showing me the ropes. And on one of the sales calls before we, you know, went to our next call, he just looked at me and he said, and do you know that if you died today that you would go to heaven? And honestly, I just couldn't answer him. I Mm. said, you know, I think I would. And he said, well, you know, you can know for sure. And so fast forward, I prayed to receive Christ that day, but I didn't grow because there was no one to disciple me. I didn't know what to do. As a new Christian, I think, you know, you don't know what to do. I think, okay, I'll grab my Bible. I'll go to church on Sunday. I'll listen to the message. I'll open it up and try to find the passage in the Bible as quick as I can while the pastor is talking about (laughs) Uh it. And then I'll take it home and put it on my bedside table until next Sunday. And that's what I did for years, for approximately 20 years. Mm -hmm. So then that takes you up to being 46? That takes me up to close to 46. So (laughs) I began to, you know, God... You know, things I it's I'm a little slow learner. I don't know if you're like that at all, but Oh yeah. My clock speed my, isn't very fast. <laughs> <laughs> so in my late thirties, I began to just dig into his word really out of just looking and searching. You know, I would go to women's conferences with girlfriends and I was searching for that healing. I just didn't know how to find it, honestly. And so I knew that there was comfort in God's word. You know, I think most Americans um do believe and can relate that they find hope and comfort in God's word when they go to it. Mm -hmm. And so I would find comfort in his word. And so the more I'd find comfort, the more I would go there. Mm -hmm. 
And gradually, I just began to dive into his word and he began to woo me. I know the Lord was wooing me to come to him. So I spent that next probably seven or eight years learning to study God's word and really letting him feed me through the Holy Spirit and through his word, through the study of his word. And then it brought me to the breaking point where I said, okay, now, Lord, I can't handle it. I have to give you my problems. Yeah. How did that come about for you? You know, I talk about that in Courage for Life, and I was actually in Israel, one of most, as you may know, it's one of the most beautiful places and most emotional places in the world. But I was in Israel with my oldest son. My husband and my younger son were back here in the States, and we were on a church trip, and that very first night into our um, our journey, we were on the Sea of Galilee. I was in a hotel room, and my husband and I honestly were just on the brink of divorce. Mm. Um, no one knew it. I was a Bible teacher. I had taught Bible studies at our church for several years at that point, and just like so many people feel like they have to hide their problems, especially if you're a Christian. Sometimes you feel like you walk into church, you really want everybody to see the best you. Yeah. You don't want them to see the real you. Yeah, what is it with that? I, <laughs> I don't know, but I did it for years mm-hmm. and you implode inside, yeah. you know, because it actually, I think Satan uses that to just stir us up, tear us up, tear us down, just beat us up with shame. And we, ha- we won't come out with it. And I finally got to that point where my husband and I, our, our relationship was on life support. We'd been married at that point about 26 years and had two grown kids and their 20s. And um, I just kind of looked up finally at the Lord that night and uh, I was in desperation. You know, we were talking about, you know, divorcing and no one on the trip knew. My son didn't know, you know, so forth and so on. So I just dropped to my knees because I literally had tried everything I personally could do to try and fix things. You know, I'm, I'm a fixer. I don't know, um, as a leader, so many of us feel like we can take care of things and we can fix things. And so I think the Lord was just sitting patiently by saying, I'm gonna let you do what you're keep doing. To I'm gonna this. let you yeah. keep trying until you realize you can't do this without me. Yeah, Ugh. so you discovered that. I discovered that. I mean, I hit the floor, I laid it to the Lord and he told me what to do. And as I explained in Courage for Life, it took a lot of courage. The Lord told me, he said, I want you to write down what's truly going on in your life. And I want you to take it to your pastor and his wife. Mm -hmm. They were at the next floor down. They had been our closest friends for over 15 years and knew nothing of what was really going on in our lives. So I had to have the courage to take that letter down to them and just say, here, I just want you to pray over this, pray over our marriage. And the whole cycle began because there was no longer a secret anymore. So the secret was revealed, it came out, and now it was out of the darkness. We could deal with it. And praise the Lord, my husband's a very courageous man as well. (laughs) And he came to the table with me basically and said, I want us to get help. I wanted us to get help. He's fine, you know. He said he wanted to get help, so we spent the next two and a half years in counseling uh, with a devout pastor uh, psychologist who really helped us, mm. and we really worked through these steps. And that's what birthed the ministry Courage for Life, and what birthed the book Courage for Life, is giving a transparent account of my walk 
you know, in my journey from fear-based decision-making to faith-based decision-making, from turning it over to the Lord and really pursuing His will for my life, which has turned into an amazing adventure. If I could encourage anyone to do anything, and and your ministry uh, so speaks to this, but have the courage to say yes, to put your yes on the table and say, yes, Lord, I will do what you're calling me to do. I'm, I'm afraid. I don't know what it looks like when at the end, but I'm willing to go because I know you have great plans for me, that I know your plans are better than my plans, plans to prosper me and, mm-hmm. and have a future for me. So I finally did. I put my yes on the table and here we are today uh, in places I never dreamed I'd be. Yeah, literally. Now, this letter has to be a turning point in your life where you put that out and you publicly gave it to your, mm-hmm. your pastor friend and his wife. How did you feel when you got that out on the table? Scared to death. <laughs> I gave, I handed the letter to my pastor's wife, and as I talk about, you know, in interviews and in my story, I turned and she said, "Do you want to come in?" I said, "No, I just need to go back to my room." And as I turned to head back, um, my pastor and his grandkids were getting off of the elevator, and I was just like speechless. I just couldn't talk. So then, even the next morning, I had a lot of regret. Because if Satan could have talked me out of giving that letter, if I hadn't have done it that evening, I probably would not have done it. Uh I'd have given him that time and that ability to talk me out of it. But the Lord knew that. And he told me to go then. And I was obedient and I went. And it changed my life ultimately. So, Ann, um, I'm a little slow myself, so I'm, I'm trying to catch up. Can you help me understand exactly what Courage for Life is? Courage for Life, and it, it's just the name of it. Uh, we're all about helping, and especially at-risk women. Our heart beats for at-risk women, women who are in difficult circumstances in their life, difficult places, difficult relationships, but helping them to embrace their God-given courage through their relationship with the Lord in order to pursue their God-given dreams. You know, God puts dreams on our hearts. And so Courage for Life is all about that. From the book to the Bible study that I've written to the devotional about 90 courageous women in the Bible and in our culture and history that have walked that walk of faith, it's inspiring other women to step up and embrace their God-given courage and pursue their God-given dreams. Can you share a story of how you've done that in the past through your ministry? I'm just kind of curious about the type of women experiences you've had through your ministry. Certainly. Well, we lead conferences and also we have a Bible study. There's Bible study groups that go on at local churches um, with Courage for Life and our Courage for Life Bible study. But our personal touch with at-risk women, the Lord has opened the door into the prison and jail system with incarcerated women. God, when he placed at-risk women on my heart, I really envisioned working with women in homeless shelters and battered women's shelters and so forth. And, and we have, we've gone into crisis pregnancy centers and taught courage for life. But my ministry assistant, who's been with me five years now, she got the opportunity to take my book into her local jail system and teach a group of women, a group of offenders there. And she came back out uh, within a week or so and just with tears in her eyes. And she said, Anne, you would not believe these women. It's breaking down walls, just the transparency and creating a safe environment for them to share some of the pain that they have gone through 
And many of them, for example, one girl we had in that particular jail system and on our website, courageforlife.org, we have a documentary under our local missions tab that really talks about our local jail ministry. And we have a documentary. One of the girls on there shares the fact that she said, you know, we've had courage to go out and do drugs and have risky behavior, um, prostitute ourselves, many of the girls, um, just to pay for their drug habits. And she said, why have we not had the courage to follow the Lord? And she said, that's what we need the courage for now. And so it's all about developing their personal relationship with the Lord and giving them the hope to be able to heal their scars that they've had and to be able to move forward in a courageous way and make better decisions in their life, change the path of their life and go the way the Lord is calling them to go. Now, when you were in Israel with your son, struggling over fear about writing this letter and coming clean with your marriage relationship and where it was at, would you have ever guessed this would be an outcome of what you experienced there? Never. Never in a million years. And that literally was only seven years ago, almost to the week. We're just a few weeks away from the anniversary of that trip. And that was just seven years ago. Wow. It's completely transformed. But I literally, what I do every day, and you know, like we talked about as we began this interview, I keep my hands open and it encourages a choice. I get up every day and I say, okay, Lord, I'll go whatever direction you want me to go because I know your way is the best way. And so I leave my hands open and that's how really the ministry has filtered into the prison systems and the jail systems. God has just flung some doors open for us and we knew that was the way in which we should walk. You know, it seems to me like God rescued you from your own prison of needing to look good in the world's Mm -hmm. eyes when things were suffering so that you could go into prison literally. Mm Mm-hmm and give freedom there to women who are in fear for you know maybe the the terrible things that they've done in their lives you know yeah the fear and the shame yeah. you know many many of us it's all the same deal isn't with it? shame yeah mm-hmm. it's all the same it's just the it circumstances is. that are different correct yeah that is so very true Wow. So when you work with these women and even as you've processed all this stuff yourself, is there like a, you know, a foundational ingredient, something, you know, that inspires or is required for courage and boldness? Well, certainly it all foundationally depends on our relationship with the Lord, because I knew from the get-go that what held me up during that time and what would, the way that I was able to survive in those two and a half years, when you go through counseling, is very difficult because you're you're opening wounds that date back to your childhood. So many of those childhood, um, that childhood baggage that I had carried for so many years was causing a lot of issues within, you know, relationships. And sometimes we don't even realize it because we've stuffed them in the recesses of our minds, but they're still there until we deal with them. And so initially it's very difficult, but it takes that to go through that process. So the foundation that kept me going through the entire process, even when things were at their worst or most difficult and felt like we weren't gonna make it still and so forth, was simply knowing that the Lord had a plan and that my life was in the Lord's hand, no matter what happened, that I was gonna be okay because the Lord was with me and he had this and he had a plan for me, no matter what. And so it gave me the strength, the courage, the hope to keep going through every step. So that is the foundation. Yeah, and I'm guessing that that is a tremendous encouragement to the at-risk women that you're working with as well, just to know that they may be in prison, but 
in God's hands, they're not. No, and they can be, you know, freedom. We can, like you said, we can be an emotional prison. Mm -hmm. Uh, So whether we're sitting in a church pew, whether we're sitting in a prison cell. And when we free ourselves from that emotional prison, we had one of our girls that we work with uh, here in our local jail system say to us not long ago, she said, I feel like instead of being arrested, I was rescued. She said, because I would still be in that place of darkness and despair and shame and self-condemnation, the whole series of events that were going on in her life had she not been arrested. So many of them, this is an opportunity. Our jail systems and our prison systems are a harvest field. And women, the incarceration rate for women is growing at twice the rate of men these days. Wow. This is the Bold Idea Podcast. Hey, y'all, this is Armin and Larry here. We just want to thank you for being a part of our podcast journey here at the Bold Idea Podcast. And uh, we would love to remain a ad-free podcast. So if this is a podcast that you're enjoying and would love to keep it ad-free, please go to boldideapodcast.com forward slash donate and help us keep it ad-free. And this was not an ad. Have any of the women that you've ministered to in prison gotten out now and have you been able to kind of keep up with them in any way? Yes, we have um, two that have gotten out, one that I've been able to keep up with and uh, she got a job, she's doing well, she's trying to get her children back because for every woman that we help help in jail, we help at least one to two children and their mm. families. And so we've stayed in contact with her through her grandmother who she went back to live with, but she's now, uh, she's been working, she's been out maybe six, seven months and um and so she's doing quite well. And the other one also is out and that's been a little more recent and she actually went into a transitional living home. So we encourage the girls. Um, the book Courage for Life has seven basic principles based on the acrostic courage that are grounded in God's word. So we get the girls into God's word, but we take them through these seven practical steps, which are the steps that I went through in my healing process over those two and a half years. Very basic, but very instrumental. And we take them through that and it helps give them the foundation. So when they come out, we've prepared them with a foundation that they can go into a transitional living center and excel. You know, and so when we can keep in touch with them, we do. We certainly are praying for them. We bring our volunteers alongside them. And now that we're going into other states, we're raising up a volunteer force at each of these women's prisons and training them to teach courage for my life, which is what we call our eight-week curriculum that we have created for the um, jail and prison system. Oh, that's very cool. And uh, just one last curiosity I have is what's the long-term vision that you guys are trying to accomplish through your ministry, Courage for Life? You know, we want to see God's word get into the hands of every woman, really in the United States, in the world, anyone that speaks English. Our desire is we know that God's word can transform lives if we read it and we stay in it. As a matter of fact, um, I don't know if you're familiar with The Power of Four, the study that Arnie Cole did with Back to the Bible. Oh, I'm personally not familiar with it. Okay, well, it's an incredible study that they did and they found that when 
someone is in God's word four or more times a week, that their behavior changes, their thought process changes. So God tells us in his word, we are to renew our minds and we renew our minds by the transforming of the power of God's word. We put God's word in and some of the junk that we've put in there goes out and goes away. We replace, and one of the R step in our courage for life is replace worldly lies with scriptural truth. <laughs> so we take the girls to identify where the world will tell you that you're worthless and that you're not valuable and that your value is based on what you do. Whereas God is telling you, you're valuable because I created you. You're valued because you're a child of God. Yes. I have plans for you and a purpose for your life. And so we help them replace those worldly lies with scriptural truth, which grounds them in God's word. And they can go out and be prepared to dispel those lies as Satan begins throwing them at them again. So when you said uh, four or more times, sorry, I'm really curious about that uh, study you said. So being in the Bible four or more times a week, is there a set amount of time? Or how, how, how would I wrap my brain around that? You know, go and look up The Power of Four with Power Back Four. to the Bible with Arnie Cole. It's a great study and you can see how they did their research um, through Pew Research and through the Barna Research and stuff where they're using a lot of statistics, but they did their own research with a large group of people and they found four or more times a week. So there's not a particular amount of time, but I would think an average, for example, you know, I encourage the women at least 10 to 15 minutes a day in God's word. If that's all you can do, but I can tell you, as you get into God's word, you hunger and thirst for more. So I know that if I can get someone in God's word 15 minutes a day to begin with, that then it's going to grow on them and they're going to feel good. They're going to start their day in a very positive way. That's going to become a really good habit. You know, sometimes we just need to make a habit of doing things that are good and healthy. It's kind of like eating good and healthy food. You know, if you make yourself a habit of it, it's easier to do. But if you're in the habit of going for the chocolate chip cookies like I do occasionally, then, yeah, that's easy. you know. easier to do. You can get them. in that habit too, which is not a good habit. So you got to, you got to, just make yourself some nice habits there. And God's word, um, spending time with the Lord in prayer and in his word, first thing to start your day off is a wonderful way to begin. I agree. You know, Anna, uh, 15 minutes a day and you can read through the entire Bible in a year. So That's a lot right. of people don't realize that. It's, it's mm -hmm. It seems like a very daunting thing, but taken in small chunks in 15 minutes a day, you can get through it in a year. Speaking of the Bible, you have yes. a very exciting project, uh, something that's, well, we're recording it now, hasn't released yet, but by the time this hits the airwaves, will have been released. Do you want to talk about that? I would love to talk about that. We have taken on a project that we are so super excited about. So I want to give you a little background if I have a minute to do yep. that. I travel to um, South Asia every year. I just have a heart for international missions as well. So I take two weeks out of my year in the fall and I go to South Asia and lead women's conferences there. And when I do... I have been so blessed to take along with me these in-touch messengers from Charles Stanley's ministry and their audio Bibles because 50% of the population that we work with over in South Asia cannot read. Mm -hmm. So we take these audio Bibles. So that's kind of your background. As we began to work with at-risk women and, you know, I believed, you know, sometimes we have our own plans and I believe God was going to be sending me into homeless shelters, battered women's shelters and so forth. So I remember telling my assistant, you know, we know 
that working with these women, they need audio. Many of these girls, even that are in homeless shelters or battered women's shelters, many of them read on a lower reading level. Not all, but many do. And so I said, I would like to take an audio Bible or get an audio Bible app, but we wanted it in a female voice. And the primary reason for that is that when you're working with at-risk women, when you're working with women who've had trauma in their lives or any kind of PTSD or any kind of thing like that, you want to do gender-specific treatment. And so a woman's voice is more comforting, encouraging, and easier for them to listen to and receive. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to find a women's audio Bible in the New Living Translation because we knew that was the translation that they relate to the best. It's the closest to a really, really great translation of God's word. And it's conversational. And it's conversational. Mm -hmm. They can understand it. Mm -hmm. But we couldn't find one. And we just looked and looked and I said, okay, we got to start praying because I could not believe there was not an audio Bible out there recorded by women. So I know that there's a few New Testament, but they were dramatized and so forth. So I was like, okay, well, we need to start praying. And immediately we were convicted to begin raising funds to produce a really incredible women's audio Bible that's going to be available by the time this airs, the app with the New Testament portion is available and your listeners can go to our text back campaign or they can go to courageforlife.org and find out how to download that to their Apple or Android device. But it's the Courage for Life Bible mm-hmm. and it is recorded in all women's voices. We've done it professionally. It is done incredible. We've recorded all of the New Testament It's ready to release by the time this airs. And then we're in the process of adding eight books. Right now, we've just finished recording eight books of the Old Testament. Of course, Psalms and Proverbs, Genesis, and several others. And we're going to be adding those at the end of the summer as well. So we cannot be more excited. We're still fundraising for the rest of it because it's an expensive project. We want this to be evergreen. We want this to last forever. And it's wonderful. I really encourage you to get and your listeners to get there. Look for the Courage for Life Bible on their app and start listening. It's amazing. You know what I find totally astonishing is that audio Bibles have been around for what, 40 years, maybe Mm -hmm. 50. Mm -hmm. And this is the first time it's been done in a woman's voice. I, I don't know where the feminists are in this world, but they should be rising up about that. <laughs> I agree. I agree. But it's it's free to everyone. That was our heartbeat. Yes, we're our our donors are coming alongside us and helping us do this project. We still need more. So anyone who feels compelled to join us on this would be a tremendous blessing to our ministry. Oh. Because for every dollar that goes into this, and here's the exciting thing, what we did not know, but the Lord certainly knew when he began opening the doors to the prison systems, I had a good friend, and I know you're great friends with Broad Street, but I have a good friend at Broad Street. And she was saying to me, she said, wouldn't it be amazing if the girls could lay on their cots at night listening to the word of God before they go to sleep. Mm -hmm. And I said, Suzanne, I would love that. And I'm praying for that. But there's no way to get devices in the prisons because just, you know, Mm -hmm. with contraband, all that kind of stuff, we just can't, there's, I don't see any way. But God knew that in many of our states here in the United States, our inmates and offenders are being issued tablets, safe tablets with positive content on them. Mm -hmm. And so two of our states are in the process right now of uploading our New Testament women's audio Bible to over 80,000 tablets for inmates. That's great. 
Well, I love Suzanne, and I love that dream that she had, and certainly it wasn't impossible for God to make that happen. So Absolutely. you took some pretty bold steps in your life. You you put it out on paper to come out from the prison that you were in. You stepped out to create a ministry to women. You're now doing this audio Bible project. What's your next bold move? Oh my goodness. You know, <laughs> I think just taking the next step. Next week we go into one of our prisons out West, uh, our women's prisons. We're training volunteers out there. And you know, I really think that's just where God's called me. I'll go wherever he calls me to go. But I think honestly, the boldest step I'm taking right now, and that's as far as I can see, is walking into these prisons, listening to those doors close behind me, and touching, seeing the faces of the girls who have absolutely, they've made bad choices. They've, they've made mistakes. But these are mothers, sisters, daughters. These are young girls that made mistakes. And many of them are dealing with those mistakes out of some trauma in their life. Many of them have horrific abuse in their backgrounds that leads them to some of these decisions. And many of them are so hungry and thirsty for change and to come out on the other side of this with courage, with God's help and with our love and support. And so that's really the most courageous thing I'm doing right now is walking into these prison systems and meeting personally, teaching these women. I'm teaching volunteers, but I want to touch these women as well Mm. and minister to them in any way that God will allow me to. Well, I can feel that energy and passion coming through, Ann, and I'm just glad for you and glad that God called you out of what you were stuck in so that mm-hmm. you could serve him in this way. It's a, it's a very exciting. Thank you for being it's on the privilege. program. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about this. I appreciate you sharing this with your audience. And I'm just prayerful that everyone will download the audio Bible and tell all their friends about it. Yeah, we'll have the links for all that in our show notes. And Anne, I just want to say thank you again for your time with us. Yes. God right. bless you. Same here. Well, that was fun. I enjoyed meeting Anne. Man, I love what she's doing because it's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, there was a, I, I don't know who did it. I don't know if it was Bethel Church out in Reading or if it was an affiliate of Bethel Church in Reading, but they were doing something in regards to figuring out in the Trinity, who do people relate to the most, mm. right? And so they they realized, and just I'm killing the outcome of this research that they were doing, but they uh, they found out that the people who had bad experiences with their fathers or men had the hardest time connecting with a father God figure. Yeah. But um, the ones that had a uh, bad experience with men uh, often had better experiences with women. So they were they had a lot easier time connecting with Holy Spirit because Holy Spirit is historically being been described in feminine words or mm-hmm. terms or whatever. I have no idea. And then the other side is they, they said uh, if the if an individual has had bad experiences with both a mother and father figure, the individual in the Trinity that they actually connect with the most is the brotherly figure of Jesus Christ. Mm. So uh, the fact well, either that way she, we got it covered. Yeah, exactly. Isn't God, that crazy? God has that, yeah, it covered. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> I, I didn't even think about that. Right on. But uh, what I love about what she's doing is the fact that these women who have been used and abused by men, the likelihood that they would sit there and listen to a man read the Bible to them and not have bad, I don't know, memories or bad feelings or bad interpretations of what's being said, it's, it's, it's going to be hard. But now that they're putting it in a woman's voice, there's a lot of logic around that. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta say, I mean, I, I'm I, like I said, I was astonished that they haven't had it in a. Right. I would have thought 
Well, for sure. It's just one of the 15,000 voices you can choose to listen to the Bible in. Right, yeah. Or it could have how, been an A-track. How hard could it be when there's like, you know, half of the people on the planet are women and they don't like, their voice isn't even on. I just like, this is like one of those areas. I, I mean, I'm just totally astonished by it. When, yeah. You know, we learned about Anne's ministry through Phil Cook and he mentioned this project. I'm like, are you kidding me? This yeah, is like out there. <laughs> Somebody didn't just record. Well, I got to tell you, that's a bold move, you yeah. know, because like you got 40 years of inactivity on this idea, yeah. you know. So. It's nuts. I'm glad she's doing it. I think it, it'll probably make more impact than any of us can rationally think about. You know, one of the things, though, that I thought about for her life is how much different, as she was even saying, would it have been if she just stayed in the trouble that she was in without just taking the bold step to get out of it? Yeah. And acknowledging it and to be vulnerable about it. And and it made me think about, you know, it's like if you could do like that movie Sliding Doors, you know, where you could actually kind of see what your life would be like had you made one decision differently or another. You yeah. know? Of course, we never know. And that's partly the grace of God that I think keeps us from doing that. But I wonder about so many decisions that I might not make because I'm fearful, you mm-hmm. know, as well. And uh, what what's the missed opportunity? You know, the the FOMO kicks in. Right? <laughs> fear, fear of missing out, out if yeah. anyone doesn't know. <laughs> so he's kind of like, you think about, well, she would have had the fear of missing out this ministry. Yeah. Know? And I, I, have you gone into a prison? I, I mean, I, to I, minister into a prison? <laughs> I, all the above. Yeah, jails, prisons, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> Internationally, you know, not just in the United yeah, States. Yeah, and I have as well. And, and you know, the first time I went in, it was, you know, you're kind of like, well, what's the, what's the drill? How does it work? You yeah. know, you're How do I not get killed? <laughs> you know, there's a little fear that goes in just to going into prison as a guest. Yeah, right? oh, absolutely. So, but the fact that she's in there and talking to these women and doing that through her ministry is just really cool. Mm-hmm. And I know the response that I received when I was there. Yeah. And I can just imagine the thirst for this mm-hmm. and, uh, and the, the women who really have to be impacted by this ministry and people that can give them the perspective of God's love and care for them, that they're not the forgotten. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that even though they may be covered in shame, there's gold in them, there are hills. You know, that there's something there that God died for. Yeah. You know, that was worth redeeming. So she's got a great, great story about that. Yeah, I love it. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode and want to let you know about her website, which you'll find links to on our show notes at boldideapodcast.com slash nine six. But if you want to go directly to her website, go to courageforlife.org. If you put a slash free there, you can download some free resources, including some excerpts from her books. And also, you got your little mobile phone there, text the word Bible, B-I-B-L-E, because that's the book for me. Text Bible to 62953, 62953. If you text Bible to that, you'll receive a link to the audio Bible app that you can download on your phone right now and uh, and get that uh, free download of the Bible in woman's voice. I'm not going to call it the woman's Bible because, you know, that could be for anybody that wants to hear that. (laughs) Maybe I want mom's soothing voice reading the Bible to me. That's why my Siri is a female Australian (laughs) on my iPhone. probably change mine. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So that's the end of our show. We hope you enjoyed it. Again, boldideapodcast.com slash 96 for the links, as well as for you to leave a review. We certainly appreciate it. And uh, until next time, this is Larry Gates. And Armina Sadi saying so long. And go put your faith to work for goodness sakes. <laughs> You've been listening to the Bold Idea Podcast. To get our show notes sent to your inbox, 
visit boldideapodcast.com.